So just continuing in this series you know, that we're calling The Three Houses, um, hopefully, hopefully we have established at, at this point in time uh, that these three houses are, are not houses that are made by man, uh, that they're not of, let me just say that again, let that sink in. These are not man-made houses. The, the house that is the person, the individual, you. The house that is the, the family, the coming together of, of husband and wife in covenant marriage and becoming a family. And the house that is the, the church, the body of Christ. These are the three houses that we are speaking of. Uh, these, uh, these houses are, are not wood and stone and walls and doors and roof and windows. And, and they're not held together by uh, brackets and screws and nails and glue and, and caulking. These are, are not man-made houses. This, this house that is me, I didn't make it and man didn't make it. God made this house. And and this house that is my family, I didn't form this or, or fashion it or think it up. God made this house. And this house that is the church, no man made this. It's only God that can do this. It's only God that can, that can bring this house together and make this house. It's a very important uh, revelation Right? It, just so, it so goes in line with 1 Corinthians 6 where we are reminded that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit, that we are not our own, that we've been bought with a price. That just seems, seems to line up, doesn't it? If, if God made this, he shouldn't have had to buy it, but he did, then it's his. I feel like you know when I make something, I kind of have a claim to it. I feel like it's mine. I feel like I have a right to it. The only way that I'll let it go is if somebody buys it from me. And if I've got to buy it back, and I buy it back, and I bought it back and made it, it's mine. This is God's house. right? This is, Jesus, Jesus didn't say this is anything other than his church. He said, this is my church, and he said, and I'll build it. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This is, I didn't build this. And you know, that's what one of the things that Paul said, right? He said, why do you take, why do you take so much pride in your legs? Like you made them? You're fast? So what? You made you fast? You can jump high? So what? You made you jump high? Why, why do you take pleasure and pride in the strength of your arms? Like you gave those arms to you? You did not. God's the one who formed you, fashioned you, made you. God made this house. It's an important revelation. It's something that we need to know. Isn't it interesting that the enemy comes against that truth with everything that he has? No man made this house and no man can make this house. I think, uh, I think Elon Musk and Tesla's put out a robot. That's pretty cool. It's not this. No man could do this. 
No man can make this. It's interesting how much uh, hypocrisy there is in our day. In in this day where where everyone is claiming science, 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 follow the science, the science, the science. I'm not trying to get all political. Don't get upset with me. But, you know, love believes in the truth, embraces the truth, and speaks the truth. And I love science. I love it. And I'm all about the science. But in, the, in this age where everybody's claiming science, 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 and then saying evolution made this, time and chance did not make this, God built this. Evolution doesn't work according to science. You know, science tells us that, that everything goes from a place of, of order to a place of disorder, not the other way around. Like, like if I'm to walk out into a field and, and cut, or the woods, cut all the trees, clear a field, plant grass, manicure a yard, build me a nice little house right there, and then go away and leave it, and somebody wanders upon that house a hundred years down the road, it's not going to be a beautiful mansion with a garden and fruit trees and a pool and a beautiful stocked pond. It's going to be ruins. The weeds are going to have grown up The house is going to have decayed because science tells us, and we know it's true, everything goes from a place of order to disorder unless acted upon by a higher power. Now, if if someone has continued to live in that house and work that house and cared for that house and they planted a garden and kept the grass cut and added on rooms until it became a mansion then it could become that but not on its own because everything goes from 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 order to disorder if you if you clean your house and then you go away and leave it and you come back 20 years is it going to be what it's going to be a mess if if you have kids it takes 20 minutes Yes, Josh said yes, amen, right there. Five minutes, five minutes, yes, that's right. Science tells us that that doesn't work, that that's not true. It also says to us that that in the transfer of energy, there's always loss. Like if you take a gallon of gasoline and you move it from one tank to the next, it goes from being a gallon to less than a gallon every time. And yet evolution would tell us that the opposite is true, that things went from a place of disorder to greater order, that they went from a place of energy to more energy. No, sir, science says no. It only happens if it's acted upon by a higher power. God steps into the equation. Evolution didn't make this and didn't make this and didn't make this. God did. This is God's house. And then God, see, see, now because he made it, now he gets the right to define it, right? If, if, if it's just, if I'm just happen, time, chance, then anything can define. But if God made me and then God bought me, then can't God tell me who I am? Or do I step in the place of God and say, God, I know you made me, I know you purchased me, but you're wrong. That's not who I am. No, God made me, and God made this. 
Man didn't make marriage. Man didn't make, man didn't make family. God did it. It was God who set Adam in the garden and for our benefit gave him a little bit of time to figure out that he needed a helper and then God made a helper because it's not good for man to be alone and he brought man and woman together to be a family. It's God that did that and we know it's God that made the church. Man didn't do this, God did it. So now that God has done it, God can define it and say what it is and what it's supposed to do. Sorry, I'm calming down a little bit. Back, let me back up. Maybe that'll help me. So God, God says, he, he makes this statement, and, 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 we've, and, we've, and we've got to it, and we'll get to it, and then we'll push past it here this morning. He says, my house is to be a house of prayer. So, so God made you and then he defined you. And now all of a sudden clarity comes that, that what I am and who I am and what I'm to do is so much tied to praying that the work that God has for me and that he's called me to has so much to do with prayer. I'm to be a house of prayer. Now, last time I left you, we, you know, because Joy preached last week and uh, knocked it out of the park. Girl can preach. I, like, she's one of the best I've ever heard. I, I mean no offense to anyone else. Just, just saying that, just out there. She's in my top favorites. Um, so last time I left you, we, I, I just left you with Matthew 9. Let me read this to you. Matthew 9, uh, verse 13. Um, Jesus makes this, he makes this statement. He says, I, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And uh, b- before he makes that statement, he says, now, now go and learn what this means. He says, here I am. I'm, I'm making this statement. I, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I've, called, I've come to call the right, not the righteous, but sinners. Now go figure this out. Go think about this. Go investigate this. Go see what this, what this means. And I'd like to, you know, someday we'll get to this, but I'd just like to highlight that for now because that's, that's now what we're doing. We've identified these houses we, God has made them. God has identified what they are to be. Now, now we're on this journey of, of going and figuring out what this means. What, is it, what does it mean for me to be a house of prayer? What does it look like? What does it mean for, for my family? What does it mean for the church? What, is it, what does it look like? And Joy greatly helped us with it uh, last week, and, and we're just going to continue and move a little bit further. So I'd like to go back into... Uh, Matthew 21, Matthew 21 is, uh, is where Jesus comes into the temple, and, and he clears the, the temple, and then he makes that declaration that my house uh, will be called, he calls it his house, he says, and it will be called a house of prayer, we've already remembered and learned that when we come to Christ, we are his house. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so starting at Matthew 21, verse 18, 
um, this, is, this is happening after Jesus has, has made that. You know, he, he goes then in the temple. There's, there's healing. Uh, the, the children are worshiping. He rebukes some of the, the leaders. And then uh, after this takes place in, in uh, verse 18, you know, I, I don't think we should disconnect this. Th- these things need to be connected. He says, early in the morning, as Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it and found nothing on it except leaves. Uh, then, he, then he said to it, may you never bear fruit again. Immediately, the tree withered. When the disciples saw this, they were amazed, understandably. That'd be kind of an amazing thing to see. Uh, that was that was probably like most of the experience of, of walking around with Jesus was amazement. When they saw this, they were amazed, and, and so they asked, how did the fig tree wither so quickly, they asked. Bring, it, bring in a question. So now Jesus replies, it, it, you know, Jesus is kind of irritating, isn't he? Uh, because, because he often answers a question with an answer that is not the question that you asked. Right, so they're asking, how did this happen? And Jesus is gonna answer, but he's not gonna answer how it happened. He's gonna answer differently. He says, truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. What an answer. And then what a statement. Jesus all the time making these big statements. A lot of times, you know, you just got to read over them because you don't totally understand them yet and ask the Lord to help you. This is kind of one of those right there. He says this. He says, after he answers the question, he says, If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. That is a statement. That is a powerful declaration that is coming from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. After he has said, after he cleans out the temple, and he says, he says, look, let me tell you about this temple. This is mine. This is my house and it is to be a house of prayer. Now, after that, Jesus, he needs to further the lesson. And, and now it's, it seems like it's, it's, it's a little more intimate. It's just him and the disciples. And so he looks. He's always calculating. You know, he's always doing things. Uh, uh, he, he's, he's like the best parent ever. You know how we're, we're like looking for opportunities to teach our kids things in unique ways? This is what Jesus is up to. He sees this fig tree, and he says, this will work. And off he goes to the fig tree, and he speaks to it because it doesn't have any fruit, and it withers, and the disciples are saying, how did that happen? And Jesus doesn't answer how. He just says, look, let's just put that aside for right now. Let me just tell you this. You can do it too. Let's not worry about the how right now. If, if you have faith and don't doubt, not only can you do this, You can do what was done to the fig tree, but you can say to that mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and it will be done. That that is a, 
That is a teaching. That is a statement that should grab our attention, especially when we're, we're recognizing that much of what I'm to do is to pray. Much of what I'm to do is to call out on the Lord, and now Jesus is saying, when you pray, things are going to happen. When you pray, things are going to shift and move. When you pray, fig trees could wither. When you pray, mountains could be moved. Now, this raises a lot of questions, doesn't it? And, and those questions need to be answered, right? Because because could we really just walk out here to a mountain and say, hey, you mountain, go into the Atlantic Ocean. Get now. Get on out of here. And, uh, and would it happen? Are we supposed to do that? Is that what Jesus is saying? That we're, to, that we're just to walk around and speak to mountains for them to move? Or that every tree that may get on our nerves, that we're supposed to go up to it and, and, and call it to wither? Is, is this what Jesus is saying? Is this how he is instructing us? What does he mean from all of this? What is he trying to teach us? And, and how can we grasp this and understand it? Well, I don't know. So let's close this morning uh, going back to Matthew 9. Uh, go and think on these things and figure out what they mean, okay? No, I'm kidding. We'll, we'll dive into this a little bit more. Jude says I have this really good ability to, to, uh, to joke and nobody knows it. <laughs> He's like, I don't, Dad, I don't know when you're kidding or when you're not. And I'm like, I try to do better, son. That is true. I didn't know I was that good at it, but it is true. Let me, let me read you another scripture here. Uh, I, I think this helps us. Uh, this, is in, this is in Matthew 17. Just back a little bit. Jesus says much the, much the same thing. Matthew 17, verse 14. We're going we're gonna to get some help for this. You may not like it, but it's going to be help for it. When they came to the crowd... A man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son. He said he has seizures and is suffering greatly and often falls into the fire. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. And then, and then Jesus speaks. Oh, you unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. So, uh, so you're probably familiar with this story. There, there, there was this... Uh, Man that was brought to the this this, this uh, son that was brought to the disciples they they weren't able to help him, you know. So Jesus has to come in and and Jesus says this. He says, "You unbelieving and perverse uh, generation," uh, Jesus replied. So they're they're having trouble here, um, speaking to this and dealing with this issue. Jesus has got to come in and Jesus identifies some of the trouble here. It's unbelief and and perverse generation. He says, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. And then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, 
if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, he's doing it again, move from here to there, and it will move. Then look, look at what Jesus says. It's another big statement. He says, nothing will be impossible for you. Well, is, is, is he just talking? Is he wrong? Is he giving us false hope? Or is he trying to direct us? Is he trying to teach us? Is he trying to show the disciples something? He says, look, you've got little faith. And then he says, all you need is little faith. That's kind of confusing, isn't it? Because you've got such little faith, but all you really need is little faith. But you probably don't have the, the little amount of faith yet that you need to go in. But, but if you do, you can say to this mountain, move. But then he also said, not only, not only unbelieving, but perverse. Now, there's two things going on here. There's, there's unbelief, and then there is, and then there is a perverse generation. How long am I going to put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Let me, let me handle this. Let me, let me take care of this. So, so we've got two things that are happening here, two things uh, that are taking place. Uh, one, is, one is there is unbelief, and the, and the second thing is Jesus says that there is, that there is a perverse generation. Now, what happens when, when there is uh, a turning over of oneself to the sinful nature, which is what is perverse, it's not living according to the spirit but the sinful nature, what happens there is there is division that takes place. Sin separates, always does, always will. The spirit unites, sin divides. So what we have here is an unbelieving, divided generation. So how can an unbelieving, divided generation bring, bring to the table what is needed to deliver or move or heal or change in the name of Jesus? There is, when it comes to prayer, there, there is something we need to understand about faith and unity. It, it, it's, it's what Jesus said. He was talking, when he's talking about the house, he said, the house divided can't stand, right? So if my family is to be a praying house, but it's all kinds of divided, then that is affecting the prayers, if the church is to be a praying house, but there's not togetherness here, that is, that is affecting the prayers. So, so we've got, just learning about these houses of prayer, we've got the importance of, of praying in faith, and we've got the importance of uh, praying in togetherness. We're, when we're praying, we're to pray in faith, and when we're praying, there is to be unity. There is to be togetherness. Actually, you know, just for sake of time, I'm not going to do this, but, but Scripture tells us that when we pray, if there's not unity and togetherness, that's going to so affect our prayers that we're not going to be able to pray until we go deal with it. That's why many people aren't praying because every time they go to pray, they, rem they remember all the, all the bitterness, all the unforgiveness, all the hurt, 
all the anger, they're unwilling willing to deal with it, so eventually that leads to an unwillingness to, to pray. We gotta be uh, praying in faith and, and praying in together. And together. In, a, in Mark's account uh, of, uh, of the Matthew 21 uh, story, Jesus actually ends by speaking to us of when you're praying and there's unforgiveness, you've got to go and there's got to be forgiveness, bringing us to that unity, togetherness part of, of praying. So, so we've got to be praying in faith and, uh, and we've got to be praying together. We see this in Matthew 18, where, where again there's this big statement. Matthew 18, 18, uh, Jesus speaking again. He says, truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I love the word whatever there. In, in my research, what I've found is it means whatever. Again, truly I tell you that if Two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for. It will be done for them by my Father in heaven. That is a big statement. That if, that if we come together, two of us in agreement, and we add in here verse 20, then, then prayers are being answered. For where two or three, gather in my name, there I am with them. That when there's, when there's unity, when there's togetherness, uh, and, and there's prayers of faith, then things begin to move, things begin to shift. Maybe, maybe even mountains. Um, now, we see this some of these big statements again uh, in the book of James. And we see praying in faith and, and also uh, unity and togetherness in James chapter 5. And, and, and in here we're given a, a help for this and instruction for this that, that really comes to us, the individual, that will help us as individuals to... Uh, to, um, to see both of these things take place, to see faith and togetherness uh, take place. James chapter 5. Did I give you James? Yes. Look at me. Doing good this morning. I'm, I'm going to try to read down through this a, a little bit fast. It's hard for me. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. I said, see, it's hard for me. <laughs> if we're in trouble, what are we to do? We're to pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray uh, over them and anoint, and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, I just want you to see the, the togetherness here. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So, so we're, we're together, we're, 
We're confessing together, we're praying together, we're praying over uh, each other, and then James just wants us to know that that's powerful. So he says this, he says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Or, you know, don't you love the King James, that the, that, that the, that the effective, availing prayers of the righteous, that those are powerful, that those are, are effective, that they shift and move and, and change things. You say, you say, you know, Pastor, I'm just not sure that I believe that my prayers are powerful and effective. Well, that's probably part of the problem. We've got we've to recognize that this house is a house of prayer and that when this house is his house and it's a praying house, that those prayers are powerful and they are effective. Now, James is really great at giving examples for things. And if you read the book of James, you can see that. He's really great at giving, at giving examples, right? When he, when he talks about uh, being hearers of the, not only just hearers of the word, but doers also, he gives the, the analogy of the mirror right after that. You know, James is great at that. So, so here he wants to give us an actual, like, biblical example. And he, and he, and he goes to Elijah, and he says this. He says, Elijah, you remember him? He, he was a man, human being, just like us, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. That three and a half years number has me messed up, but I don't got time to think about it right now or, or move on to it. It seems almost like prophetic end times. Just Maybe just let me say that if nothing else, it ought to get our attention that Jesus is coming back and that his house should be praying. 18, he says, again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crop. He says, hey, hey listen, uh, your prayers are powerful and effective. You remember Elijah? His prayers were powerful and effective, and, and, and just like his were, yours are as well. Now, not only were Elijah's prayers powerful and effective, but, but we know that Jesus' prayers were powerful and effective as well. And there's something that Jesus and Elijah have in common that, that we need to hear that will give us some direction on being a house of prayer, that when we pray, our prayers are powerful, they are effective. Let, let me go... Let me go with Jesus first, and then we'll, we'll connect back uh, to the story of, of Elijah. Um, in John chapter 5, Scott, did I give you that? Yes. I'm doing good, but I can't remember the good I did. Hmm. John chapter 5, Jesus, Jesus makes two, that would be four, two powerful statements. Listen to these. He Remember, it's Jesus that walks up to the fig tree and says, wither, and it does. Now, Jesus is going to give us some understanding into why. But you're probably not just going to be able to go up to fig trees and wither them, but you could. Now, Jesus is going to give us some understanding into why and why he did it. 
and how it took place, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. You see, Jesus just isn't wandering around by himself doing whatever he wants to do for whatever reason he wants to do it. He, he says, Jesus says, there's something going on here. I'm in line with the Father. I'm lined up with his will. When he says go, I go. When he says stop, I stop. And he says say this, I say it. He says, I'm not, I'm, not just, I'm not just out here on my own doing anything I want to do. You see, when Jesus walked up to that fig tree, he wasn't just operating on his own. He was operating according to the will of God. Yes, hallelujah. And when you begin to walk and live in the will of God, you're not just walking up to fig trees and saying, hey, wither. You're walking up to fig trees and saying, hey, wither, because God moved you there, led you there, spoke you there. You're operating in God's will according to his word. That's, that's why when, when I begin to pray the word of God over my wife, those prayers are powerful and effective because they're in line with what God has said. They're in line with his will. See, See, then Jesus says this, same chapter, verse 30. By myself, I can do nothing. Right? By myself, I'm not going to say to some mountain, hey, go move. I can't do that. But remember, with God, all things are possible. He says, judge only, I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. Listen to this. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. You say, Pastor, I don't, I don't know what God's will is. I don't know how to walk in alignment with it. Well, here's a great place to start. I'm seeking not myself. I'm seeking not my will. I'm seeking not my pleasure. I'm seeking not to please me or advance me or gain for me. It's not about me. It's about him. Jesus said, it's not about me, it's him. I'm not doing this for myself, I'm doing it for him. It's all about the one who sent me. And when we lay down ourselves and life becomes for him and by him and through him and for his glory and for his honor, we're just not, we're just not, we're just not you know, praying, Lord, give me a car and a big house and make me rich. That's not all lined up with God's will. But you can pray, Lord, provide for my daily needs. That is lined up with God's will. When it, it becomes about him, then when I'm in his will and walking and moving according to his plan and purpose and being led by him, and there's a mountain in my way to do the thing that God has called me to do and go to the place that God has called me to, and God says, hey, Jason, step out, gather some people with you, Come together, speak to that mountain, and tell it to move. Jesus says, when you do that, then that thing will move. See, it's a, it's a little bit different than just, than just, 
I'm, 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 I'm believing, I'm believing, I'm believing, I'm believing, I'm believing, and, and trying to like conjure up something and declare something to happen that's not in line with who God is or his purpose or his will or who he's called you to be. I'm not trying to twist his arm or manipulate him or make him line up with my plans and purposes. I'm walking in his, and when I walk in his, faith stirs within me. Mountain-moving faith stirs within me, and when I pray, my prayers become powerful and effective. We're going to be houses of prayer. We're his house. There are houses that are surrendered to him to live according to his will. Now, when, when you look at the story of Elijah, you will see the very same thing. Okay, there's three minutes to twelve. I'm going to do this quick, then we'll pray, and uh, we can, you know, rest and go to lunch and all those things that we love to do on Sunday, on Sunday afternoon. Go read the story of Elijah. First Kings, what you will find, First Kings chapter, chapter 17, what you will find, Elijah goes to Ahab and speaks to him that it's not going to rain. Read it carefully. He does it. Because God told him to. Then Elijah goes to the, to the Kirath Ravine to be nourished from the brook and fed by the ravens. He does it because God told him to. Then Elijah goes to the widow at Zarephath's house to, to, to care for her and be cared for together with her. He does it because God told him to. And Elijah comes out of hiding and goes and finds Ahab. He does it because God told him to. And Elijah makes a challenge with Ahab. You remember the story? And says, come on, let's, let's go up here to Mount Carmel. We're going to have a contest. Because I'm tired of everybody serving Baal when Baal ain't nothing at all. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm about to go off on a tangent. I'll, I'll contain myself. Evolution and, 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 and science. Maybe I won't contain myself. And, and no, no, God. Christ and Christ alone. It's my rock, my firm foundation on whom I stand. Elijah says, much like Joshua, he says, he says come on, make a choice. Whose house are you going to be? Who are you going to serve? Right? It's not Baal and God. You can't do that. It's, it's got to be one or the other. Choo- choose Baal. Do it and serve him with all your heart. Go ahead. Or choose God. Do it and serve him with all your heart. But stop wavering. Stop being a house divided. Make a choice. Make a decision. Stand on it. Live for it. But don't choose Baal. Because Baal can't send down fire from heaven. Only God can. So they, so they have the contest. They build the altars, right? And, and, you, and you remember the prophets of Baal can, they, they, they shout, they, they, they cry, they, they cut themselves, they pray, they pray, they pray, they pray, they pray, they pray. They can't get anything to happen. You ever felt like that? Can't get anything to move, can't get anything to shift, can't get anything to happen. They're praying not in line with what God is doing, not in line with God's will. Now, Elijah steps on the scene, 
And, 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 and something is uncovered here that we see all, all through it in uh, 1 Kings 18, verse 36. You remember, he gets the altar, he soaks the thing, digs a trench, all that. You go read the story. This is what happens. Verse 36. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and he prayed. And his prayer is going to be powerful and effective. And we'll see why. Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. He says, God, I'm doing this because you told me to. This is your plan. This is your idea. I didn't dream this up. I didn't come up with this. This is you. Now, I've done everything that you commanded me to do. Now, you come and do what only you can do. And Elijah's simple yet powerful, lined up with the will of God, prayer of faith, results in fire coming from heaven, that all kinds of dancing and shouting and cutting and, and, and persevering couldn't bring, and consuming the altar and the water, everything that was there, this all-consuming fire that came, And Elijah was a man, a person, flesh and blood, just like you and I. And when he aligned with the will of God and prayed in faith according to God's will, what God had said, his prayers were powerful and effective. If we're going to be praying houses, we got to be surrendered houses. It's, it's, it's a lay down Jason and Christ rules and reigns. It's, it's his house. It's for his fame, for his name, for his glory, for his honor. All about him. Jesus said, here's the key. I'm not trying to please me. I'm just trying to please him. And when, we, when we're living trying to please him, that grows our faith and heals our relationships. And we become a house praying in faith and praying in unity and togetherness. Let's pray together. Lord, this morning, thank you. Afternoon now. Thank you, Lord, for your declaration over us that when we come to you and put our faith and trust in you, that we are your workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which you prepared in advance for us to do, that we are your house and your house is to be a house of prayer. We this morning, Lord, surrender our lives to you. Say, this is not my house. 
It's yours. I'm surrendered to your will to live for your glory and your honor. I lay down trying to please me, Lord. Let it be all about pleasing you. And let me live, move, walk, speak according to your will. Let me, like Jesus, only do what I hear you saying. Only go where I hear you leading. Let me, like Elijah, go because you told me to. Pray the way you told me to. Speak what you told me to say. Let us be a people who are surrendered, Lord, to your will. And as we are, I know, I know that our faith will grow. Our relationships will be healed. Because you will lead us to believe and you will lead us together. We thank you for this, Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just like to ask you this morning if Jesus is not your Savior and your Lord if you've got the door of your house closed and you're ignoring his knocking would you this, this day this day of salvation would you hear the Savior knock open the door to your heart Receive his salvation and declare him Lord of your life. If you'd like to do that this morning, I just ask you to raise your hand. Just like to surrender your life to Jesus. Yes, amen. I see your hand. Thank you, Jesus. If you're watching online or listening to the podcast, you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, just raise your hand wherever you are and pray with me. Just repeat after me, everyone just repeating after me. Just pray this prayer from your heart. If you don't like exactly the way I say it, change it a little bit. Let it be yours. Pray it, pray it from your heart. Declare your faith and trust in Jesus. Lord Jesus, I hear you knocking. I surrender. I open my heart. Ask you to come in. Save me. And be my Lord and King. I declare that this house is your house. And I will live for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Uh, I kind of like rhymed. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. And pray, pray, pray. There you go. Just come up with these things. It's the Holy Spirit. Um, hallelujah. God bless.